0: good evening and welcome to the marriage reform prayer call my name is Kim Moore and I'm excited that you're here with us and those that are standing in the gap for husbands and wives in this nation around the world that profess the name of Jesus Christ those that are near and those that have yet to come into the kingdom yet God has marked them as his own we just thank you again for taking the time to be with us. There are so many prayer calls and so many opportunities that we each have to get online, to see live services, to pray, and there just so many things that we can connect with so that you guys have chosen to connect with us tonight and to help us to, uh, in the assignment, developing and carrying out the assignment that God has given us Uh, In the area of marriage, we don't take lightly. We appreciate you so much uh, for your time and for your sacrifice and just choosing to be with us. Well, we've been worshiping, praying, and taking communion every night for marriages almost for the past two weeks and I have to tell you it's been awesome it's been affirming it's been confirming uh, and just uh, it really has done something internally um, as well as declaring God's Word I think it really has established or ignited something further uh, in us as we prepare to emerge from this uh, crisis that we are in as a nation and so All of you that have taken part, all of you that have prayed our success in that, we want to thank you so much for being a part, whether in person or whether just in spirit, as I know many of you have other things that you need to do and attend to, and so we're just thankful that we've been able to do that every night, standing in the gap for our husbands and wives, and so we appreciate you. I'm going to skip the rest of the formalities for tonight Uh, if you're on for the first time, then uh, I want to welcome you and encourage you to listen to some of the previous messages and catch up. But I really just feel a need and an urgency just to jump into what I believe God has given us to pray and to share tonight and uh, also at the same time be mindful of your time. So I'm just going to open in prayer, then I'm going to share a little bit, and then we're going to pray the words that have been spoken and shared. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, you said where two or three are gathered in your name, you are present among them. And so we count you present tonight, God. We thank you for your holy word. We thank you that a sound has gone out from heaven and you have, Lord, designated us to be ones that have caught it and to, Lord, it would reverberate through our lives and through our mouths, Father. We thank you and we praise you, Father God, that it is you who are at work Lord, and we have entered into something you're doing, God. We thank you that you have called us and we have not called ourselves. We speak not of ourselves but of you who have sent us and are sending us and glorifying yourself in us that your people, again, may glorify you through marriage. We thank you for the divine reset that is at hand, God. We thank you, God, that you have even especially, God, focused your attention on marriage, God. And we bless you and we thank you for that, God. We thank you for the supernatural resets that are taking place between husbands and wives. And we just give you the glory and the honor, again, for helping or allowing us to partner with you and trumpet your message throughout this land. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this afternoon at 1203, Passover, the Passover celebration began in Israel. And as you know, on Passover, the Jewish people are celebrating how God took ancient Israel out of Egypt. Where they had been slave and slayed for over four hundred years, and they were captive to Pharaoh and the Egyptians and served them as slaves and with God and, and God selected Moses, his, his human agent, his man on the ground, so to speak, and through the course of ten plagues, um, uh, the Pharaoh uh, agreed to send the Jews from their land. and so Passover was a reset for ancient Israel, in the same way that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was a reset for mankind, and that those that take part with Christ, that profess his name, and that have uh, have received him into their heart and their mind, they can avail themselves of this divine reset that occurred 2,000 years ago, and I believe is occurring again. You know, it's no coincidence that Passover and Easter fall in the in the midst of the plague that is occurring in our nation, as some have defined as a plague or or the virus or the pandemic, uh, and and I say the pandemonium that has that is occurring in our nation. It's no coincidence that these things have fallen on the time where the Jewish people celebrate the Passover and Christians celebrate the equivalent or the corollary. Easter. It's no. I mean, it, it, that can't be lost on us, you know. It, it, you know, God is is a times and season God, and He works all things according to time and season. So that these things are colliding or coinciding at the same time, we ought to take note of it. You know, many are promoting messages of of doom and gloom, and some are saying life as we knew it, it, it it's going to be forever changed by this national crisis. Um, and I believe that you know many have died, lost jobs, and are financially devastated. You know, Christians, you know, with unregenerate souls. Uh, more plainly, I could say it this way: Christians with poor character, <laughs> with poor character and and poor coping skills. Um, are, con, you know, are, are adding to the roles and the calls that are occurring that have exponentially increased on the abuse uh, and domestic violence hotlines. Uh, if you Google it, you will see the numbers have gone up. And uh, Christians who have not given their soul to the Lord, that is to be conformed, to God, changed in the way they think and behave, you know, are contributing to some of the things, some of the doom and gloom messages, as well as what's happening in terms of domestic violence. You know, if most of our information is coming from the mainstream media, it really is pretty depressing. I mean, you really do have to turn off the TV not to get a healthy dose or a helpful dose or a plentiful dose. Of fear and and doom and gloom, but you know in Genesis fifty and twenty, you know God's word says this. It's true that you planned to do something bad to me, but really God was planning good things. God's plan was to use me to save the lives of many people, and that's what happened. That was Joseph speaking to his brothers who came to him in Egypt after there was a famine in the land and they didn't have food or resources. And they ended up going to Egypt because they had heard Egypt had provisions. What they didn't know was that their brother, the one they cast into uh, into the pit and ultimately slavery and told their father that he had died, uh, he was the one in charge of the resources during this particular famine. And so they had to come into contact and had to come back and deal with their brother. And so what we re- what I just read was Joseph's, Joseph's reply to, him, to them, and, and this is what he said again, don't be afraid. Do I act for God? Don't you see you planned evil against me? But God used those same plans for my good. As you see all around you right now, life for many people. Easy now, you have nothing to fear. I'll take care of you and your children. He reassured them, speaking with them heart to heart. Now, I want you just to keep those words in mind right now because God is speaking to his people heart to heart. First, he's blessing them with peace, as I taught last week but also he is reassuring them and instructing them and guiding them. And so in our case, you know, what the enemy is intended for evil, God is using it to bring something good and glorious about. You know, he did it through Moses, Joseph, and Jesus, and now God wants to do something very amazing to his people uh, and specifically through husbands and wives. And so he's using what the enemy has intended to destroy with this coronavirus and he's working it together for our good to reset some things to supernaturally reset some things and I declare along with many others that we are in the midst of a divine reset and that is coinciding as again with Passover and Easter makes what God is doing in this very moment all the more remarkable but all the more noteworthy and all the more reason. We really got to get what he said to husbands and wives. In Exodus twelve eleven, it said, God told Israel, when you eat the Passover, or in this case, the Easter meal, you must be fully dressed and ready to travel. You must have your sandals on, your feet, and your walking stick in hand. You must eat in a hurry because the Lord passed over. And you'll recall the time where they had to put the blood on the doors because one of the final plagues was that uh, the firstborn of the Egyptians uh, was going to be killed. And blood on the door uh, signified that the angels of death would pass over those houses in which they saw the blood. And so verse 31 says that Pharaoh sent God's people away, so they could worship, and I don't want you to miss that. So a couple of things I want you to take away so far. One, Joseph spoke heart to heart. God is meeting people, beginning with husbands and wives, that would learn the language of the heart, to speak heart to heart. We have a lot of talking heads, and we have a lot of uh, people that are talking to the heads of people, but only when you speak to the heart of, of a person is there the possibility of lasting change. And then Pharaoh says he sent them away so they could worship. So he just didn't send them out. He sent them away so they could worship their God. So after seeing the demonstration of these things, Pharaoh said, just, just go, just go worship your God. And so as we emerge from this crisis here, please understand the resetting, the requipping, and the supernatural and divine things that God does in marriage. It is so that we can worship God, uh, that we can worship God, because the Bible says in John four twenty three and 24, that from here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right being in the right place, but of the right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who will worship, adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. Another version simply says, the time is coming, and now is, that they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we must worship him in prayer, but we must worship him in our Uh, performance. And by that I mean not performing to get God to do anything for you, but performance or obedience in response to who it is that we say worship. And then in verse 46 and 47 it says, each family must eat the meal in one house. So they were shut in in one house during the Passover. None of the food is to be taken outside of the house. So they were to eat and break bread together as a unity of units Together, forming a unity, they weren't to break any of the lamb's bones. Remember, they were to take the lamb in the house, and they would take it out and offer it to the Lord, and then they had a meal, but they were not to break any of the lamb's bones, and the whole community of Israel must do this ceremony. So the whole community of God right now is sequestered and shut into their own houses, family, family, by family, by family. And Amy Amy pointed out something to me earlier today. She said, you know, with with these ordinances to stay in each one's house, we're finding out who really are family. And, you know, she's right. When I look around, whose house can you go in and whose house can't you go in because we've set up borders around families. So God is identifying the families, what Satan intended for evil. Remember, God is setting us up for something good and something amazing. And then verse forty fifty one says, the people left in groups. And while the Bible doesn't say people left family by family, remember, they were in family, shut in. So it is reasonable to think that the family stayed together and husbands, wives, children, extended family emerged from Egypt as intact units forming a unity. And I believe marriage and family is the heart of the divine reset that God is orchestrating. And I've given several reasons for this previously, but tonight, if I could just be more honest with a great deal of of compassion, if you could hear the heart of what I'm saying and take it to the Lord in prayer and ask and see whether uh, these things uh, resonate with your spirit. And I I kind of um, want to mention this because they were praying earlier before we got on the call, a few of them, and I'm not sure, but one of them or two of them mentioned the fact, um, mentioned the things I'm about to say. They mentioned them in prayer, and we have had no conversation about what I was going to talk about tonight. So that is a confirmation to me that as I share these things and these few things in honesty, while I believe that God's eye is on marriage, his mind is on marriage right now, for me it was a confirmation that those praying ahead of this call would say some of the same things. So let me give you a few additional things that, uh, that I necessarily haven't said in previous conversations. The first thing is, um, and I may have mentioned this one, that since June 2015, when the redefinition of marriage took place to include um, uh, homosexual marriage, unions between men and men and women and women, there has been almost an indifference toward marriage in the church at the highest level. And so, you know, what man has discards God regards, and you can see that throughout Scripture. What man uh, what man casts out, God calls in. And we can see that, and I believe that, that God's eye and his mind is on marriage because we have tended in many cases in the church to take it for granted. Proof of that is that we rarely talk about it at the highest level. And even during the course of this virus, um, we've, we've scarcely noted that the, there's been an increase in domestic violence. But beyond that, we are not—we have not necessarily spoken to marriage, and then perhaps maybe some disregard or just take it for granted because there are many marriages in the body of Christ. I'm talking about among leaders, those in the pulpit, those large ministries, small ministries, whose marriages are in poor condition. Um, and so, when it comes to the, these individuals, there is a form of godliness but there is a denial of the desire and power to change their own hearts and minds as it relates to their own spouses. And so when something is in a bad condition and you're not ready or willing to address it, you kind of just don't talk about it. Because if you talk about it, then you have to do something about it. And when truth goes forward, it demands a response. You know, this. You know, again, I, I mentioned that despite the rise in domestic violence, the church is largely silent on the issue. And then there, they, think about this: there's no one going to be given to marriage in heaven. So marriage has a divine part to play in preparing the bride in this life for her marriage to the Lamb. And so, the fact that marriage is such an integral part. Of who God is, so much so as I've said before, He's opened the Bible, closed the Bible, and Jesus' first miracle was at a done at a wedding ceremony. It must give us the it must communicate to us the significance that that marriage is held to what esteem God holds marriage, both earthly marriage and our spiritual marriage. To the Lord and that's what God is after he's after our relationship developing the bride for his son and and God's not coming back Jesus isn't coming back for a flat-chested immature bride and where do we grow up one of the places we grow up in, in, in as a bride is through marriage and then man and woman God intended marriage to be the governing force on earth if you go back to Genesis uh, uh, Adam and Eve were uh, commanded and given the reign of the earth, they were given together, these two completely independent, self-sufficient, fully functioning units were put together to form a unity to produce something that greater than Adam or Eve could, could produce on their own. And so God hasn't changed his mind about who he has set out to govern the earth, and it always began or it did begin in Genesis with a marriage, and I say again, it will begin with a marriage as we emerge And as marriages grow and become what God intended them to be, they will manifest into all kinds of assignments that will result in the influence of God in every mountain, in every sphere of influence, every community, every city, every nation, every state. The representation of the kingdom will be strong because marriages are strong. And then finally, each marriage represents a house. You know, the Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name, he is present. And so collectively, marriage represents the house of God. We are his habitation. We are the temple of God. And where two or three are gathered in his name, he is in the midst. He's in the midst of them. So marriage represents a house that was intended to be a safe place that's equipped and resourced to receive and serve people that God can populate his kingdom. And so as we pray for this end time revival and massive salvation, where do these people go? And what if we couldn't meet? As we are seeing now, we're unable to go to a building to meet, but our houses are still available. And guess what? One of the only entities that the government will never be able to fully control is the marriage. Let's think about that for a moment. So When we say that marriage is a secret weapon, it is a sleeper cell because when a husband and wife come into agreement, there is an authority that's assigned to that particular unit. And I'll I'll read the scripture that shows you that. Jesus said he sent them out two by two and gave them authority. So our authority as husbands and wives is not simply to be in the house, but it is to go out and reproduce the kingdom and there is an authority authority that's assigned to that so the divine reset that's occurring in marriage it's a new thing it's new wine it's a new way of doing marriage it's rethinking marriage and i believe that god desires to increase the freedom and the authority of husbands and wives inside of marriage so they can carry out their assignment outside of marriage or when i say outside of marriage outside of this crisis as we emerge into something new husbands and wives were to demonstrate the true power and authority that god has assigned to kingdom citizens as a unity and so god is bringing husbands and wives back to his original tent and let me be clear about this i can't say this strong enough god is not trying to recreate what was what was got us here so when we talk about the divine reset, we're talking about something completely new, husbands and wives thinking about their relationship very different, and we're thinking about the tools that I teach on, and you can go back and list that previous messages. the tools God has given them to live in this new way. So we're not talking about God's taking us back to this religious rigid construct that, that, that has, has made marriage what it is today, which is basically and And really, just comes down to gender distinction roles, and needs that may be a part of it, but that is not the driver of the of kingdom marriage. The driver of kingdom marriage is the king, and each one becoming kingdom citizens with all of the rights, responsibilities, and privileges that are assigned to every kingdom citizen, regardless of whether they are male or female so Earthly marriage sits inside of a kingdom marriage, but what we have done is taken marriage outside of its context and created this religious structure that is that ha, that has resulted in in all manner of evil. Because religion, whether it's a religious spirit uh, in the church, whether it's a religious spirit in marriage, religion does the same thing to those that take part in it. It steals kills, and destroys your freedom, your ability to respond and become who God would have you to be. It is man's attempt to try and emulate God. And we have a religious spirit in churches. We have religious spirit in marriage. And there are books written on the religious spirit in church, but I've not seen one book written on the religious spirit in marriage. And Several times back I have spent a lot of time distinguishing you with tons of differences between the difference between a religious marriage and a kingdom marriage, and I encourage you to go back and listen to some of those things because God is not trying to give husbands and wives a refined process sermon that is regurgitated. And I'm going to tell you, here's what I want you to look for. Here's what, here's what will happen when we talk about the divine reset. You, you write this down and watch it happen. What religion will do with this divine reset in marriage, they will begin to double down on gender distinctions, gender roles, and gender needs. Watch it. They will double down on Ephesians 5 where it talks about hierarchy because hierarchy is a vehicle. It's designed to move people uh, that, are in, uh, that are functioning together as, as, in a unity. It's designed to move people, to accomplish, to move a husband or wife, to accomplish something greater than either of them could accomplish on their own. And once it's accomplished, they move back into relationship, just like the father and son. You've got to go back and pick up some of these messages because these could be unpacked tonight all in themselves. The point that I want to leave you with as I give you five things of how to prepare to come out is this. If you begin to hear divine reset, as we're all talking about, but then you begin to hear marriage messages that teach what has already been taught, it does not constitute revelation. Revelation is an anointing, and what it does, it will break the yoke of religion off of a husband and wife. I know it's true because I've seen it happen, and 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 I know I, I, I share this, Amy's testimony, Amy's and John's testimony, and some of you have her number. Ask her what kingdom marriage has done for their relationship, and not just their relationship. I'm watching it. When you hear truth, The truth will break the yoke, and husbands and wives are free to form around the word and the spirit of God based on the assignment that God has given them. And, yes, there are gender distinctions. Yes, husbands and wives, there may be roles, but there's not one shoe size that fits all, and kingdom is about giving you the space to be who you are, each one, without um making every wife the same and every husband the same. And so I just I'll leave that leave that there. I want to give you five things and then I want to pray because I see we're approaching uh, nine thirty. So let me give you these five things real quick. And I'd be happy to take your comments or questions. You can email me at Kim at moreonrelationships dot com. That's my last name, M O O R E on Relationships dot com. You can hit me up on Facebook. Uh, you can text me if you have my number. Uh, so you you can get in touch with me. You can ask further. You can go to Spotify and pick up many of the things in detail that I've said earlier in kind of snippet points. So here's how – Here, let me give you five things how you can prepare. And I shared these last week, and um, I really just believe God would have me to share them again because how you leave this this, this uh, shut-in, how – Husbands and wives leave this crisis in this divine reset. Remember, there's a divine reset. There's a, there's a divine recomp- um, recompensation. And I'm talking financially, emotionally, physically, spiritually, sexually. There's a reset. But here's the thing. Well, there are two things that, that God is looking for. Hearts to commune with Hearts. And he's also looking for people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. So I caution you as the divine reset takes place and God is blessing different ones with with resources and things to do and and just opening up things, and husbands and wives are experiencing more freedom and space to show up in their relationship. It is for the purpose of worship. And I'm not talking about your Sunday morning worship or your Wednesday evening worship. I'm talking about the worship you do when you leave church. I'm talking about the worship that you offer God in the way you treat your spouse. I'm talking about the worship you offer God when you interact with your neighbor, when you interact with your children. All of these, your whole life is an act of worship, and God wants your whole life worshiping him. That is what the divine reset is about, because when you're worshiping him, his kingdom can be fully manifest in you, and he can populate the earth and influence those places that he has given you to govern and influence until the day of his return. So here's how you can prepare. Number one. Pray and ask God his assignment, the assignment he has given you as a couple uh, uh, to 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 engage when this quarantine is over. And maybe you already know and, you know, just simply need God to confirm or, or just remind you of that assignment. Whatever it is, if you don't know it, ask. If you did know it once but kind of got lost in the thoughts and the cares of this life, it is important important that you leave here, this place, this crisis, this reset, knowing what God has called your marriage to do. You don't have to have all of the answers. You don't have to figure out how it's all going to get done. He just needs you to agree with him in what he's called you to do. For you have not called yourself. He has called you and set you in this place. He said, let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. I have gone to prepare a place for you, and if I've gone to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. He's not just talking about mansions in heaven. He's talking about in this next phase, in this next move, there is a place and a position for your marriage, and God needs you to be in it, because when you're in it, then you are glorifying him, and he can glorify himself in you. So you just need to pray and ask and know what that assignment is. Here's a hint. Whatever God has called your marriage to do, it is likely you have already had an appetizer of that at some level. The example I would give you is Moses. Moses was a deliverer. It was in him to deliver people and, 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 and ultimately a nation. It was in him to do it. it was, the Bible says that God is in us, giving us a desire to do what pleases him. Moses had the desire to do what pleases him so that even though he was in Pharaoh's house, the Bible said he identified with the people of God. And then you recall that he went and killed the Egyptian that was Uh, fighting with the Hebrew and he delivered the Israelite from the Egyptian. And then the, and so he had a taste, an appetizer of his assignment and he was feeling pretty good. So the next day when two of his brothers were fighting with each other, he went in and tried to break it up and and deliver them from one another. And uh, that didn't work because his brother confronted him him and said, who do you think you are? Are you God? Who do you, how are you going to, And the Bible says that Moses got wind that Pharaoh had heard what he had done and he was afraid for his life and he ran. Point that I'm making tonight is Moses already knew. He already had an experience of what God's desire and his assignment. And each of you individually have already had an appetizer. You've already have an idea. You've already felt it. You, you've already communed with it because God built that desire in you when he put you in your mother or before he put you in your mother's womb. And then he said, before you were born, I reserved you for myself. And so then he brought you to the birth. And so the point here that I'm making is husbands and wives, Your collective assignment has to do with your individual assignment. So get a hold of that. Get with God. Ask God in these next few days, and I'm going to pray that God will give you a supernatural download as individuals and as a couple, that when this time is over, this this Passover, this Easter is over, by this time it's over, you will have a a a statement about what your assignment is as an individual and as a couple and then we can work together and we can coach and figure out how all that works together but you've got to know for without a vision my people perish without an assignment anything is okay so you've got to know what your assignment is and I'm telling you husband and wife you're in an unprecedented season of grace, and this next three days Uh, As the Jews celebrate Passover and as Christians are celebrating, some of us are symbolically celebrating with Israel, the ancient Passover, and then we celebrate Easter. But in this next three days, make it your business to know what God is asking of you, your assignment. It could change, too. The desire might be the same, but what it looks like could be different. So I'm going to leave it there. Get with God. If you want to talk about that further, you'll have to text me or email me or do something. Number two. Practice now exercising all the rights, responsibilities, and related it to, to the assignment, to worshiping God and to the assignment. There are disciplines and habits that are, that are necessary regardless of what your assignment is, all the worshipers of God, the true worshipers are seeking the kingdom first and his right standing that is being in right position with him, so wherever you're out of alignment, this is the time to come into alignment and by that I mean into alignment in terms of the way you think, the way you're behaving, the way you're conducting yourself, the discipline and you know the disciplines of of being a worshiper of God, and then your assignment has discipline to it it too as well you know um Maybe God is having you to evaluate your finances and making sure your systems are in place so that you're able to handle the reset. Maybe you need to reorganize something. Maybe some of you need to get an accountant just for your own support and and, and safety. Some of you, you it might mean for you, you know what, you really need to, to get serious, and this year you really do need to do your taxes. Come on, we're people. We've all done in different things. This is the time to get positioned and aligned With God. Um, And so we have a freedom. There's a freedom with this period. You know, many of us have different work schedules. Some of us are, are not working at all. You have a freedom available to you. And that freedom is designed so that you can develop new habits, new ways of thinking. And so that means also that you'll have to take inventory and evaluate your life and the things that you've engaged in, the things that you know, are they helping or hindering you as a couple? You know, maybe, you know, maybe some of the things you're doing, they're not bad things. And fact, they may be good things. They may be acceptable things. They're just not germane to this next assignment. And so you'll have to make some decisions about modifying those things or, or in some cases letting those things go. And then number three, evaluate the resources presently available to you to fulfill the assignment. What will it take? That's the question. What will it take? What will it take? What will it require for you to fulfill the assignment God has given you? You know, the resources are not just money here, guys. The resources and the most valuable resources you have are each other, the husband and wife. That is the skills, the abilities, and the spiritual gifts each of you have, the interest, the proficiency, even the weaknesses are important. See, that's where the heart-to-heart conversation comes in. This is the time where you, and if you're in a relationship, now I always caution you, if you're in an abusive relationship, you, you, the the degree of vulnerability that you offer you must be wise as a serpent and as harmless as a dove and if that's you that's a that's a unique situation and um I would want you to go about this aspect of it perhaps a little bit differently but in normal average circumstances you know couples uh that, that aren't in, uh, experiencing abuse and neglect or exploitation, those kinds of things, um, where it's incapacitating to you as a, an individual or to your relationship, where it's just not in a, a broken-down state. and Sometimes you'll have to, you know, there's some repairs that need to take place before you can engage in your kingdom assignment. But an exercise that will always be helpful and is always joining and affirming is to sit down and get a piece of paper and on one side, list all your skills, abilities, spiritual gifts and interests and proficiencies, your weaknesses. And on the other half, list, you know, your, list your spouses. And then compare notes because then you'll see what are you really working with as a couple. See, when you're just in this religious mindset of marriage, you, you don't have access to all of this. Because religious marriage is not designed to make use of all of this because religious marriage is designed to keep each one in a particular place. And so, again, this is a valuable exercise. Whether you're broke or not, this is a great exercise. But in terms of your vulnerability, you want to protect that in the case that you're in an abusive situation. And then, again, I would advise something differently in that case. But post it up on the wall. Pray over the list. Talk about it. Let it become the new conversation, the new dialogue among you. And what you'll find in the midst of that, you'll begin to affirm each other. You'll begin to appreciate appreciate each other. And there's reasons why it's hard to appreciate each other's skills and abilities right now. But one of the reasons is because it exposes your weakness. When our our spouse is operating in their strength, it exposes the other's weaknesses. And nobody wants to walk around with their weaknesses exposed, except marriage is supposed to be the safest place where we're able to do that because there is a covering and a protection for that. Listen, this isn't a time for pride. Pride will kill you, it will derail you, and um, it will keep you in a religious mindset, and that is probably the most threatening thing to the kingdom marriage is a religious mindset. And so, you know, I say all the time, except for our reproductive capabilities, those things are gender specific. They are not changing. Um, and God has assigned him the, the way he wants him to be, and yes, men and women are different. Nobody's disputing that. What we're talking about is how those things are used in marriage, in a kingdom marriage versus a religious marriage. And once you're clear about your assignment, you have a good idea of what each of you bring to the mar- to bring to that assignment, and you've taken an honest inventory, of yourself and where God wants to realign you personally and change your thinking as it relates to your own own life and what you 're doing, then you 'll begin to see opportunities to engage your assignment sometimes at a very small level, sometimes it could just be someone else talking about it, and because your ears are attuned, you pick up on it and you begin to it 's just like it 's just like this we, we and I know you can relate this. When you were looking for a new car, you had a car in mind. Didn't you start seeing that car everywhere? Everywhere you went, you started seeing that car. The same is true. When you were clear about what God is saying to you, you will hear and see it everywhere because your eyes now will be open to what God is having you to do and where he's having you to do it, and he's going to begin to show you, the opportunities and the people are doing. And the most frustrating thing is waiting on God because you know He told you something and yet you don't see it right away. You don't see, people aren't getting it. People don't see this. Well, it takes a minute because you've got to get it first. And once you really, really get it, then now you become an opportunity. You begin to see it in other places. Oh, gosh, so much I can say about that. Let me just give you this scripture. Mark 6 and 7 says this calling the 12 to him he began to send them out 2 by 2 and gave them authority over impure spirits do you understand that when you and your husband are sent out and leave this this uh quarantine leave this national crisis leave this shutdown not only will you go loaded with the wealth of the lord but also you will have a new authority over impure spirits and over those things that are contrary to the word and the will of God, particularly as it relates to your assignment. You will have an authority that is commensurate with the assignment God has given you as you go two by two. So there is an authority that God gives to a couple as they walk together as fully functioning independent units that have formed a unity. There is an authority that God blesses that unity with. That's what Mark 6 and 7 is saying. God is about teamwork. We have this saying all the time, teamwork makes the dream work. It really does. It really, really does. And then the Bible says in Matthew 18 and 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm with them. So husband and wife, God is with you when you come together in his name. And when you take communion, we were taking communion every night. I encourage you. Take communion. There's something about communion and remembering the Lord's body that is just spiritually significant. And also, when you're doing the list and affirming each other, it's hard to argue with somebody that you're constantly affirming. And what you affirm, see, what you validate, what you affirm, you're able to receive from. What you reject, you can't receive from. So when you reject your spouse, and in, in, in a particular way, you can't even receive the good that God put in them for you because your eyes aren't trained because they have been clouded by the judgment. Uh, man, we could just let, let me get going because I'm going to get a text from Amy in a few minutes and she's going to say something like, um, wrap it up. And um, <laughs> so <laughs> before we get to that place, I want to read one more, two more scriptures, then I want to pray, and then I want to end, end this call. Ecclesiastes four nine through twelve says this: Two are better than one, because there is a good reward for their labor together. There's a reward that comes to the marriage, not to the husband, not to, but to the marriage. There is a reward that will come to the couple that has been sent and has been given authority commensurate with the assignment. That they will, that there is a reward for that labor. For, and then it says, for if they fall, see, in the process of doing this assignment, if they fall, then one will help the, help up his companion. So think about it. If, if your spouse falls, you know, they're in a vulnerable position. Or let's say they messed up or whatever. They're in a vulnerable position, but they're repentant. The Bible says if they fall, the one can help the other up. It says, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie together, then they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm by himself? And so you see that marriage and this whole idea of two is integral. You know, the father and the son work together as two. The Holy Spirit facilitated the entire transaction between the father and son. And husband and wife are, are one, and it's the Holy Spirit that facilitates the transactions and the assignments and the authority that go along with each husband and wife. And each husband and wife has a unique assignment. Your marriage is supposed to look different from every other marriage. and. Um, well, wow, I just encourage you, just, just go after God on that. And, la- and the last thing is, I did say five. Here's number four, quickly. Count the cost. Your assignment's going to cost you something. And money is only one aspect of the cost. It could cost you relationships and friendships with people you love. doesn't mean those people are bad. It just means they're not going with you where you're going. Um, it, you know, part of your, there's an uncomfortable part or a discomfort to your assignment. Just count on it. Jesus. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The, the, the cross was not a walk in the park. It was bloody. It was messy. It hurt. It was painful. There is an uncomfortable part of your assignment that you will have to be willing to embrace in order to fulfill it. You know, and it, I'll skip that. You can go back and, and read that. Let me just read this scripture. John twenty one eighteen says this. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what manner of death would glorify God. Then Jesus said, told him to follow me. Listen, when Jesus said take up your cross and follow me, he was not asking you to make a list of all the things that are that are disagreeable to God and begin to lay them down one by one. That's not what he said. That's not what that meant. In James it says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. It's in the submitting that you'll be resisting. It's in the submitting that you will be letting go of what is contrary to the word and will of God for your life. So it's in the yielding to one another that we are going to experience some of the discomfort. And that yielding is not unilateral. There is a submitting one to another that will bring about the plans and purposes of God. And so as you're counting the cost, you also must count what is it that I'm not willing to give to this particular assignment, because that's the very thing God will ask you for. See, he gave Abraham Isaac, but he also asked for Isaac. And I believe one of the reasons he asked for Isaac, he promised Abraham Isaac. Isaac was the son of the promise. Everything was about this son. And God had the audacity to ask Abraham something that he gave him making in you know making guys like god what are you going back on your word no one of the reasons i believe that god asked for abraham back is this abraham was born of man god had to get uh, isaac out of adam's uh, abraham's hands in order to bless abraham and the altar was the place of sacrifice it was the place of consecration and so when isaac was placed on that altar a consecration occurred that enabled God to bless Abraham from that time forward. But can you imagine Abraham's walk up that mountain when he made the decision he's going to put his son on that altar? What is it that you, husband or wife, will have to put on the altar to fulfill your assignment? And I will tell you this, whatever you put on the altar, the Bible says, Jesus says, whatever you've given up in this life for the sake of the kingdom, homes, houses, mothers, father. whatever you've given up, he's going to give it back to you in this life and the life that's to come. But you'll still nonetheless have to be willing to put it on the altar. What is it that you're unwilling to put on the altar? That will make cost you more. That may, the price of that might be more than the money you need to do the assignment. Wow. Think about that money. What, think that, about that for a minute. What God is asking me for might be worth more than the money that I need to do the assignment my God, my God. Peter looked around and said, well, what about John? And Jesus said, what is it to you if I want him to remain the way he is till I come? What's that to you? You follow me. So it's not that you and your spouse necessarily are going to have to give up or sacrifice the same thing. It won't cost you the same thing, but there will be an equal sacrifice, not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. It'll hurt just the same. It'll be just as discomforting. And lastly, number five, be willing to incur rejection, betrayal, being misunderstood, and hardship for the sake of your assignment. For as Jesus was in the earth, so now are we. And there's no way we can answer the call of God on our lives and not expect to experience what Jesus experienced if he is living in us and we are living in him. The question becomes, what part of his life don't you want to experience? And so we, we think about, you know, we think about those things, that there is a, there is a, a rejection uh, and a betrayal and a misunderstanding, and hard, everybody's not going to get what you're doing. Everybody's not, you can't even explain it to some people what you're doing. The other day someone said, are you insane? And he called me insane. Well, if I'm going to be a fool, I would rather be a fool for God. Thank you very much, because he can handle his business. And so I say to you that, you know, we have to be willing when you have an assignment from God. And this is the thing. If your eye is single, your whole body will be full of light. And so this is a time about focusing on God. And when we're focused on God, then we will be able to endure whatever comes. It doesn't have to be easy. It just has to be possible. And I'm saying to you tonight, tonight in Jesus' name that God has released an unprecedented amount of grace because he is resetting marriage. He's resetting husbands and wives. This is something supernaturally. Some of you will forget the pain and the hurt that your spouse has caused you That is in, that has made it difficult for you to go forward in this new thing. It's made it difficult for you to even receive Fresh revelation from God. I declare tonight in Jesus' name that the supernatural grace of God will cause you to forget those things that have previously made you stuck and unable to move in relationship to one another. I pray in the name of Jesus for supernatural grace to forgive. So Lord, forgive as an act of each one's will. Father God, in Jesus' name, I pray tonight that you will release the grace that husbands and wives can talk heart-to-heart, God. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for husbands and wives that will worship you in spirit and in truth, God. I pray for husbands, God, and wives that will know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. Father, I pray for new wineskins among husbands and wives, God, that they're able to receive new wine, fresh revelation, that they're able to receive the engrafted word of God on the kingdom, God. I pray in Jesus' name that you would deliver husbands and wives from religious mindsets, from religious spirits, God. Lord, and and just even this whole idea, God, of just being so private, God, Lord, that, that that they aren't able to ask for help, God. Lord, strike, Lord, pride down in the name of Jesus, God. Lord, you said if we would humble ourselves under your mighty hand, then you would lift us up in due time. So I pray and I thank you for husbands and wives that are humbling themselves tonight. Under your mighty hand, that you might lift them up in due time. I pray tonight, God, for husbands and wives who have received and do embrace the mind of Christ. I pray for husbands and wives, God, that are willing to show up, God, and be vulnerable with each other. I pray that husbands and wives will become safe places, God. Teach them what a safe place looks like, God. I pray for husbands and wives that are non judgmental toward each other, God. For surely, God, you didn't even come in the earth to judge the earth, Jesus, but that through you the earth might be. Man might be saved, God. So I thank you tonight, God, for husbands and wives, Lord, that lay down this whole idea that they've got to judge and nitpick and manipulate and control each other, God, to get what they want to get, God. Father, I pray tonight, God, that you would turn the weapons, these weapons, Lord, into plowshares, that husbands and wives would learn how to work together with new tools, God, with handles on your word. God, set husbands and wives free tonight, God, in Jesus' name. I thank you for the authority, God, that you are adding to husbands and wives, Lord,
1: as you send them out two by two to fulfill their kingdom assignments on the earth, God. I thank you in Jesus' name that no two marriages look alike, God. Lord, I thank you tonight,
0: God, that. Behold, you're doing a new thing and shall speak and not lie, God. I thank you, Father God, for the hearts of husbands and wives that are opening up in response to you knocking. For you said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, you will come in and fellowship with them, God. Lord, I declare your word over husbands and wives tonight, God, and I declare as we are in, have entered paths over it. And as some are celebrating ancient Israel's feast of the Passover, God, when you delivered them from Egypt, God, and they went out loaded down with blessings, families by families, God, husbands and wives, Lord, reunited and uniting for the purposes, God, of your kingdom, Lord. And I pray, God, as we celebrate Easter this weekend, God, your death, burial,
1: and resurrection, God, I thank you that it constitutes a divine reset, God, for as it was, so shall it be, O God. I declare in Jesus' name that your original intent would be established. I thank you and I praise you, God, and I cast out every religious
0: spirit in marriage, God. I pray and I thank you, Father God, that you expose, Lord, even unto our own hearts as we examine ourselves, God. That's what you said, God, that we should examine ourselves lest you should examine us, God. You also said that judgment
1: begins with the household of God. So, Father God, I ask you to expose the religious mind in marriage, God. Teach us to hear the words of religion, God. Teach us, Lord, cause
0: of pinging to go off in our heart and our mind, God, for you are the great liberator, God. You said in Galatians five one that you have delivered husbands and wives and set them free for freedom's sake, God. So I pray, God, that you would tune your husbands and wives' ears, Lord, to the words and to the message of freedom that you're trumpeting throughout this land today, O oh God. I thank you and I praise you, God, that you would disturb them, disrupt them, God. And, Lord, just ping, Lord, whenever a religious spirit Lord, would seek to impose its will, O God. Father God, I thank you that submission is voluntary, God. You didn't force Jesus to submit to you, O God. And Jesus didn't force the church to submit, God. So, Father, the Lord rebuke everyone, high and low, Lord, that seeks to force God's submission in marriage, God. It is an act of our free will, God. It is an act of free will, God. Lord, even his husband's submission to you is an act of their free will, God. So the submission of wives to husbands is an act of free will, God
1: not to be legislated from Lord, from religion, God, but to be worked out from the heart, oh, God. Father God, I'm asking you and I'm thanking you and I'm applauding you tonight, God, for the divine reset, God. I'm applauding the works of your hands, God. I'm applauding you, God. I'm praising your name with these people tonight, God. I declare, God, you are doing a new thing, God. I declare even as I speak these words tonight, the spirit of God is rising among your people. And I say, let God arise tonight. Let God arise in the heart of every husband and wife and let his enemies be scattered tonight. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Arise, O oh husband and wife, for the light has come. The glory of the Lord is upon you. And even though deep darkness is across the face of the earth, the light of God is lighting upon you tonight and he is setting you as this city on a hill that cannot be hid any longer. I declare that the revelation knowledge of Jesus Christ, the anointing of God is breaking the yoke off of your marriage now, in Jesus' name, God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that this whole idea of being private, God. Lord, when it's of you, God, good, keep it. But, Lord, when it is just another form of pride, God, break it. God in Jesus' name, God. Lord, I praise you and I thank you, Father God, that you're sending forth your angels, Lord, to carry out your word in the hearts of your people tonight, God. Lord, I thank you and I praise you, God, and I bless you today, O oh God. I thank you for the divine restraining order that was issued from the court of heaven, God concerning husbands and wives, God. Lord, I thank you for the moratorium on abuse, God. I thank you, Lord, that you are waking your people up, God, in Jesus' name, God, that your kingdom, God, will be populated in this earth, God, and this latter days will be better than our former days, God. And, Lord, 40 days from Passover, God, on the day of Pentecost, God, pour out your spirit again upon husbands and wives, God, and cause their sons and daughters to prophesy, oh, God. Lord, dream dreams and see God. Lord, do these things, God, upon the commoners, God, upon us, God, in Jesus' name, God. Raise the valleys and lower the hills, God, in Jesus' name, and make a highway for yourself in your kingdom, O God. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. We seek your glory tonight, God, and we declare your word is true. Let every man be a liar. Now, God, publish your kingdom message in marriage throughout this land, and we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen
0: and amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, Amy, did I miss anything? Uh, I'm not sure I did. I'm caught up right now. and <laughs> the, no, <laughs> no, no, praise. no. Praise God. What a fabulous Passover message. Absolutely not. You you got it all in there. <laughs> all right. Praise God. God. Well, praise God. Then what we'll, we'll do is uh, if you want to hear this message again, you can do that one of two ways. The uh, quickest way probably is if you have the app Spotify uh, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's on iTunes as well. Uh, you would just download the app and then you would, in the search bar, type marriage reform with Kim Moore. And this would be posted probably within the next hour. That would be the quickest way to get to it. And you can there see all of the previous messages, the one that we did where we were distinguishing the religious spirit from kingdom. And we'll probably pick up and add some more to that, but you can get started there. Um, or you can um, call back to... I'm going to give you the number to hear the replay by phone. You would just dial 605-475-4980, and then you would enter 341-000-pound, and the reference code for tonight's call is 95-pound. And so those are the two ways you can hear this message. I really appreciate when you guys send emails or you know, make a comment on Facebook, but most of all, I would appreciate uh, if, if each of you would share this message. We but I, I can't underscore it enough. If we do not have strong, emotionally, spiritually, healthy husbands and wives, I don't care what else we do in this nation. Marriage and family is the bedrock of this nation. It is the bedrock. It is it, 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 well, Jesus is the bedrock of the kingdom and the foundation. Um, and yet, marriage are the walls. So, if Jesus is the foundation, marriage are the walls. And so, when we think about what's happening in the church, the walls have been in disrepair. And we are a Nehemiah assignment, rebuilding the walls with a divine reset. And so, please. Share this message. Share this message with pastors and ministry leaders. Share, share, share. We must have, uh, we must publish this message throughout the land. And part of, you know, each of our responsibility is hearing the truth is to speak the truth. And one of the ways you can do that is to share it with people that, you know, so I'm asking you particularly to do that tonight. And all of you that support this ministry in prayer and financially, we can't do it without you. Uh, i I'm amazed, I'm just amazed that you would think in a time of, of of difficulty and famine, you know, God has blessed us even more. And I just take that as another affirmation that God's hand is on this ministry, his hand is on this word, it is good soil, and so we thank you so much. For those of you who have given and and do support this ministry, if if you're interested in doing that or sowing a seed in this ground, whether one time or ongoing, if you will go to, you can do that one of two ways. You can um, cash app, if you have the cash app. I know some of you are technically savvy. It's the dollar sign marriage reform. Uh, That's a quick way to do it. Or you can go to the website More on Relationships. Um, yeah, moreonrelationships.com, and there will be a, a donate button at the bottom, I, I believe, on the on the front page. Uh, you can you can donate there. We are an LLC, and I like to put this out front because I like to for people to have integrity. Um, I, I want to have integrity, and I want you to know I have integrity. We are not a nonprofit, so you cannot write uh, your contribution off on your taxes, you you would have to consider this an investment into marriages. You'd have to consider it an investment. And certainly as we do different things, um, certainly we want to be a blessing to you as we go forward. Um, So, you know, if you do give that way, some of the ways we give back is if you do coaching and counseling, we take take, uh, a percentage off as recognizing that you are supporting and investing in this ministry. So that's the way to get it done. We will see you on the call next week. God bless you. I just got one of those little things from Amy, so I'm going to say good night. I love you. I bless you, and we will see you on the call next Wednesday. Good night.